Welcome to the Wonder Women Tech Show, where we highlight, celebrate, and amplify women in BIPOC voices. We're bringing Wonder Women Tech to the airwaves. I'm your host, Lisa Mae Brunson. It's Lisa Mae Brunson with the Wonder Women Tech Show, and today's guest is Brooke Hopper, who is the lead designer for drawing and painting at Adobe. She is a speaker and champion for creatives, designing better and more efficient experiences for some of the most talented people in the world, so they can focus on what they do best, creating. Currently, she is exploring the future of drawing and painting and working to bring that vision to life. Thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the show, Brooke. Thank you, Lisa May. It's such an honor to be here. Yay, I'm so excited to have you here. (laughs) So first of all, I think it's safe to say you have a dream job, getting to work with all things drawing and painting and beauty. I mean, you can't have a bad day when you're surrounded by art, right? You can't. It's so true. And I have to say, I have a dream job, but it's also in some ways the most terrifying job because of my responsibility. I'm working, creating something for people who are literally the most creative people in the world. And it's my responsibility to make sure that they can do their job, which is exciting and inspiring. And like I said, a little bit terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine how terrifying that is. You know, but before we dive deeper into your current role, like take us back to your roots. Where were you born and what was life like as a child for you? Uh, I am a rural girl who grew up in the middle of the country in Kansas. Kansas. Um, so it's, <laughs> yeah, it's been a little bit of a journey to be, uh, to get here to San Francisco working for Adobe. Um, when I grew up, um, it was a very rural town and you know, art was sort of like this long shot dream. It really wasn't anything that I thought that I would be doing or that I would be working with artists. You know, I knew that art is not a job that makes you money. And so, you know, when I graduated from high school, I decided to start pursuing business, which obviously didn't pan out for me. (laughs) (laughs) But it's been a good learning experience. I mean, it's been a long journey, but I do think that the combination of business um, knowledge that I was able to take from my undergrad experience combined with my graphic design background and some illustration has really sort of brought me to a really interesting place where I can understand the, the business side of design in many ways. Yeah, I mean, I imagine that you need, I mean, anybody can benefit having a business background. Um, so like when you were a child, you know, growing up in Kansas where there's no place like home. And sorry, I had to throw it in there. <laughs> no judgment. <laughs> what were some of the career influences that you had as a teen? And what was your educational path towards achieving those goals? Sure. My parents were always very, very supportive of art and creativity. I, I was kind of a band geek. I started playing the piano when I was five. I played the saxophone. Um, I 
can't imagine being my parents and sitting there listening to me practice every day. But my aunt also was an interior decorator. And she was amazing because when I was in middle school, she allowed me to come help her. And I would go, you know, on different jobs with her. And so I got to see firsthand um, how creativity can play out in terms of, you know, she's an entrepreneur. She had her own business. And so that was such a cool thing for me to be able to experience at a young age. Yeah, I mean, so it sounds like you guys have sort of that in your blood, you know, creativity and art and music, which are all, I think, you know, interconnected. And I mean, so you played all of these different instruments. I hear you are, you were in concert band and jazz band and marching bands. I mean, those are all completely different. it sounds like you did get a chance to explore your creativity in all sorts of avenues, which a lot of us don't always get to do. I mean, I agree with you. You know, some people say, oh, I don't have a creative bone in my body. And I think it's just either that they haven't been exposed or, you know, a lot of times fear also plays a factor. You know, you don't want to dig into something new, right? It's scary being that creative. It's It's a form of expression and freedom. Right, right. And there's, there's so many forms of creativity. A lot of people, they're like, well, I can't draw if I'm not creative. Well, that's not necessarily true. You know, there's creative ways of, you know, organizing things or creative ways you can cook or creative ways that you can, you know, do a lot of different things. Creativity comes in so many forms. And I think it's really normal for people to try to limit that to just sort of like visual beauty, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of people think creativity is art. Yep. Like being an yeah. artist. Yeah, yeah. And so that's, I'm kind of on a, I mean, that's kind of one of my small missions is to, to help people understand that everyone is creative in some form or another, um, you know. And so, so that's, a, that's a part of what I do. In it. And I honestly, you know, I work on drawing and painting um, at Adobe. And I, I do believe that, you know, with enough practice, everyone everyone can be creative and learn how to draw. So that's well, not any mission. <laughs> I mean, that's a stretch. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> like thinking about the stick figures that I, that I draw. Let's see. I mean, I'm going to take your challenge. <laughs> well, I mean, if you think about it, one of the first forms of creativity that little kids do is they pick up a pencil and they draw little scribbles. You know, they're uninhibited. And I think that as we get older, we become nervous and get scared and we start comparing and, and that's where that's where there's barriers to, to creativity or you know invis- uh, not invisible or to be false barriers to creativity I guess come to play yeah that's true I mean you know we often start out creative you know grabbing our crayons drawing I mean that's our first childhood activity I imagine most most kids can identify with that right coloring in books and then at some point along the way, we derail ourselves or we get influenced by, you know, our parents or our peers. I mean, you originally uh, majored in finance. 
So at what point did you decide like finance was just not for you and get back to that creativity? I mean, it was my, I I was in business, uh, on a business track for about a year and a half. And I was just not happy. It was one of those things that I could do it. I was getting, you know, my grades were great. Um, I just wasn't happy. And one of my, I was telling one of my friends, I was like, you know, I think I'm going to go to the career counseling office. You know, I think most people change their majors a, a few times before they graduate. And she said, hey, I've heard of this thing. It's computers and it's art. And I know you're pretty good at both. Unfortunately, this dates me that you're good at computers. <laughs> um, <laughs> but she said, you know, hey, maybe maybe check it out. And I, I honestly, I didn't even look into it. And I switched my major to graphic design. And I have never been so happy in my life. Like, that was blank luck, I guess. I mean, I, I didn't know what I was doing. And I was like, yeah, art Well, I just have to say, and this is uh, this is like a confession because this week has been like a crazy week for us. You know, we're like stretched thin. We're like launching a, a number of things, including this podcast. Uh, and my oh, thank you. I'm excited, and thank you so much for being on our first season. But you know, we were short staffed because it's finals week for our interns. We we have a lot of students that we work with, and we're in between uh, semesters. So I had to whip out Canva, and I'm sorry. I know I'm probably like doing the ultimate, you know, taboo uh, talking with you in Adobe. But I mean, for though I like knew I don't know anything, so I'm like. I need to like get a couple of graphics together really quickly. And so people are like, just go on Canva, get a template and make it happen. But I have to say, like, after a while, I was like, oh, okay. Like, I- I'm not too bad at this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's great. I mean, you know, there has been a time and a place where a lot of graphic designers, you know, look down on tools like Canva or um, Adobe has a similar tool called Adobe Spark that allows you to you know, create things on your own. And I actually think that those those tools are really amazing for a couple of reasons. Number one, it opens doors to creativity for so many more people. Um, and then additionally, it allows graphic designers to focus on the things that they really love to do, you know, the things that are, that are extra challenging. Um, and I think it also helps show the value of, of design. You know, mm-hmm. it, it also gives you a good understanding of like, wow, well, we've come so far, you know, I'm trying to think like 1950s, you know, there was only a very, very small subset of people that could do anything. Now, you know, our bar for designing creativity is so much higher. And ultimately, I think that's good um, because it allows designers to do the things that they really want to do. Um, and then it also allows people, you know, who aren't familiar with the software to put out things that they're proud of as well. You know, this is so true because those of my designers who have, you know, higher technical skills they get to do like illustrations or like the coloring books that we just released. So how did you come to land this dream job working as lead designer for painting and drawing at Adobe? And what does that role look like? Um, I mean, I came to land it through the way that a lot of people come to land other jobs and that's through um, networking. And that's not to say that you know, you, you don't work hard, but it networks, and I'm sure you, know, you are familiar with this as well, but like, who you know and making sure that you're connected with other people is so important. I actually think that that's one of the things 
that, you know, students coming out of, of undergrad or grad school maybe tend to undervalue a little bit. Mm, um, so yeah. It's super important to, to build your network of people who are in your industry to keep you connected and who are kind of looking out for you. Um, so I was able, I was fresh out of grad school. Um, I wanted to, I, I worked in agency for many, many years. Um, I knew that I wanted to work at a place where I was really passionate and excited about what I was doing. And the, there was an opportunity open through someone I knew at Adobe. And I was like, yeah, I'll check it out, you know, unsure of, of what was to come. Um, and it's been such a great step. So I'm really grateful for that. Um, the day-to-day at Adobe, um, at my job. So as you mentioned, I'm the lead designer for drawing and painting. And so that means I get to oversee sort of a lot of the drawing and painting features that happen across a couple of different apps. Um, so I really have to think about um, the, the, the product that I'm focusing on right now is Adobe Fresco, which is a brand new dedicated drawing and painting app that's been out for about a year and a half. Um, mm. And what we're focused on is, is making sure that, like, it's on the iPad, um, it's on Windows machines, and we just launched it on the iPhone, actually. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty fun. Um, and the goal there is really to make sure that, like, it has all the powerful features that people are familiar with in a lot of the Adobe tools, um, but that it's also accessible and easy to understand for people who maybe aren't quite as familiar with Adobe tools. So, you know, really making sure that there's that nice balance of, of, of sort of like really professional, um, high quality, high bar work and output, but also making it really easy to use for people who maybe have never seen an Adobe product in their life because I think as many people know, Adobe products can be notoriously complicated. On yeah. Facebook. Yeah. Sometimes like when we're interviewing interns, that was, that's one of the things we learn about, but, but we've also been able to introduce uh, interns to uh, these suite of tools and they love it. Like once they get the hang of it, it's like, oh, cool. I get to do more. And I love that. Yeah, yeah. So for me, it's really about enabling creativity. And I know it sounds like a, I probably sound like a broken record, but it is something I am really passionate about is enabling creativity for more people than typically have access to it, you know. Um, there's a, we've actually been chatting with um, a couple of artists who, um, you know, have different abilities. So, for example, an artist, she does, um, she paints and she's blind, um, which oh, is wow. so cool. Like, how, like, understanding her process and how she does that and would it ever be possible for her to paint digitally? You know, that's my dream is to have, um, you know, make these tools accessible to anyone and everyone regardless of what their ability is. I really, really love that because, you know, accessibility and technology is something that it we don't have enough of. And I love that companies and leaders who are within these companies are thinking differently they're designing differently they're designing with accessibility in mind and it does begin it with having these conversations with differently abled people so I love that you're doing that yeah yeah completely I mean I think for a very long time a lot of the tech industry has operated on you know the 80 20 well 80 percent of the people or even you know 90 10 like if 80 or 90 percent of the people you know can use it 
the, the 10 or 20% is a minority, yeah. you know, it's fine. But I think what we come to find out is when you actually focus on that 10 or 20%, whatever number it is, you actually, like, in, in by giving, making it easier for those people or giving those people access to the tools or the technology or the app, you're actually making it, like, 99% of the time, you're making it easier for everyone across the board. Yeah. And I think that's a really big win. Oh, yeah. Huge, huge. So what is the future of drawing and painting and what is the vision that you're bringing to life? Um, in, in terms of the, the vision of drawing and painting, you know, I get a lot of people ask, well, you know, is everything going to go 100% digital? And my answer to that is, you know, are we getting rid of books? You know, some people may dream that we're getting rid of physical books, but I don't think humans are so tactile and physical. I think that there's a cool interplay that happens when you go you know, from the 3D world to 2D and back and forth. And so I think, you know, we're going to start to see a lot more people who are doing, you know, augmented reality, using augmented reality in their illustration. Yeah. A lot of people are using motion in their work. You know, is it ever going to go to the virtual reality sphere? There's a lot of people who are, you know, a lot of comic artists who are starting to look into virtual reality VR comics which is pretty cool. And so just exploring how different technologies can be paired together um, with drawing and painting is, is something that I'm really excited about. Ooh, I love that. That's, that does sound exciting because you get to be on the leading edge of where all of this goes, like a matrix. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, particularly right now when we're all stuck at home, unfortunately, um, AR, augmented reality, is a really cool sort of in-between, right? So what happens if I can bring, you know, some sort of mural that's meant to be, you know, out on the street, what happens if I can bring that into my home and experience it in my home rather than, you know, out in public? Um, if I, you know, have some sort of shelter in place order. And so just thinking, I think, you know, when we, we come into times like this where there's a lot of barriers put into place, um, artists become more creative. Yeah, you know, I've I've called this the great like economic renaissance because we have to rethink the way that we're interacting with each other. We have to think about the way that we innovate differently. And we have, you know, we haven't had this great uh, you know, renaissance period where all these great works were created. So I think this is an opportunity for that to happen in terms of innovation. Um, I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah, and when you have rules and boundaries in place, um, it provides people opportunity. Again, the creativity comes into play where you can sort of like stretch those boundaries <laughs> and maybe break or like see how you can get around some of the rules. And that's where the real creativity and innovation lies. You're totally correct. Oh, I'm, I'm a rebel. <laughs> I am a rebel. I'm going to create. Yeah, we, we all should be. So let's take a break for today's Pioneering Women in STEAM segment. And now it's time for today's Pioneering Women segment. Today's Pioneering Woman is Michelle Obama. Michelle Obama, wife to 44th President of the United States, Barack Obama, is an American attorney and author. She served as the former First Lady from 2009 to 2017. As the first African-American First Lady, Michelle was involved in various causes, 
notably supporting military families and ending childhood obesity. In an effort to promote healthy eating, she planted a vegetable garden on the South Lawn of the White House in 2009. She related her experiences with the project in the books American Grown, The Story of the White House Kitchen Garden, and Gardens Across America. After her husband's term ended in 2017, Michelle kept a relatively low public profile. However, in 2018, she released the autobiography, Becoming, which garnered much attention and sparked a documentary, Becoming, launched by Netflix. Obama continues to be an inspiration everywhere. Thank you for your pioneering contributions, Michelle Obama. Innovators, we are back with Brooke Hopper talking about being somewhere over the rainbow and painting and drawing rainbows. <laughs> I believe giving back and being of service is so important when you are in the position to give to others. And I especially love when companies lead these types of initiatives because it is part of corporate responsibility and community service. So as part of a pro bono initiative, Adobe participated in an open books educational program, which paired Adobe designers from all over the world with teenage writers to design their book covers. Can you tell us more about that initiative? Yes, I love, love, love this initiative. I'm actually participating in it now. It's the fourth year that I've done it. Um, and you said it. I mean, there's a, there's a project called Open Books. It's based out of Chicago. And essentially, they pair budding writers who they spend an entire semester, sometimes two, depending on when it starts, writing their novel or their short story. And then they pair those writers uh, with artists from Adobe, and then we get to design their book covers, and then Adobe publishes it for them. Oh, It's amazing. <laughs> it is amazing. Like actual, um, like, like, like digital copies or physical copies yeah. or both? Physical copies. I mean, these kids are published by the time they're oh, 13, 14, 15. <laughs> I love this. I love this because, you know, my first dream was to be an was to be an author, and I am actually an author. I self-published though, but um, I wanted to be an author since I was a, a little girl. I started writing poetry at ten. I still have all of my poems, all of them, all of my little stories. Yeah. So this is like, I am so stoked about this. Yeah, it is so cool. And then, you know, these kids have this, like, you know, legit book that they've written with a with a cover and an artwork. And, I mean, it, you could put it in a library. It's, it's such a cool project. You know, I, as I mentioned before, you know, I was lucky enough that my parents were very supportive of, you know, art classes and the music that I was interested in. And I think it's so important for, for kids to be able to foster Well, it sounds like a fantastic initiative. I wish it was around when I was a kid. I surely would have loved to participate in that. And you know what? Adobe sounds like a fun place to work. It's great. I cannot recommend it enough. I mean, I have to say, I mean, if you think about it, okay, so we're, we're designing, we're designing software, we're designing apps um, that allow you to be creative, but it's a creative company. And so there's so many opportunities to exercise that creativity. 
Um, and particularly, like you said, with pro bono activities, there's, there's so many options. Um, and I think it's, it's really cool to work for a company who, who supports that. Um, Adobe's just a great company to work for, honestly. I mean, you've even had your 15 minutes of fame being part of a YouTube show called Make It, which is an original talk show from Adobe Cloud. I saw I saw some of it and I was like, this is really cool. I mean, who knew Adobe got into show business? Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, I got to interview some of my sort of like hero graphic designers. Like, it was like, I, it was like a pinch me moment. Like, I got to interview um, Michael Beirut, um, a, a bunch of people from Pentagram. I mean, like all over the place. Like, it's been amazing. Like I said, if you if you're open to experiences and and you really say, you know, hey, I, I want to be a part of this, um, it's a company where you you can do that, which is super cool. I mean, I love. <laughs> I love hearing you talk about like these hero graphic designers the same way people would talk about movie stars. I mean, it's really, it's really endearing. Imagine if, if if one of your kids that you've designed books for feels that way about you. That, I mean, I can't ever imagine that, but that, <laughs> that's really cool. I mean, that, you know, a big part of, of what I think is super important, and I've been lucky enough to have mentors, it's like, it's just having mentors, like people that you can look up to, and people that are approachable and willing to give their time. I mean, I've been given so much of that from people that I really admire. Um, and that's part of my goal is to give that back, you know, particularly for other, other women, because I think that's, that's something that we need, you know, like, again, sort of like we're in this together, like, let's help, we're women, like, let's help build each other up. And so, you know, that's a big, another big part of what I do at Adobe is just mentor, um, other female designers. I love that. You know, I was just talking about that this morning about how important, mentorship is because I'm the oldest of six and um, I've always, yeah, exactly. I've always had that role. I don't know what it's like not to have that role. I mean, just to lead by example. And uh, I was reflecting how I haven't really had that for myself. You know, I've, I've made some, um, you know, even journeying in with Wonder Women Tech and I mean, I've had to like make some mistakes along the way, as we all do, of course. But I, I do think about how important mentorship is. And, you know, even just doing this this podcast, you know, interviewing all of these amazing uh, women who are in leadership. And I feel like I'm getting like mentorship by way of like these interviews because I just learned so much along this process. Yeah, that's so cool. And I think, you know, a lot of times, you know, you, you, like you said, like you kind of just fall into it. You know, I've never officially sought out a mentor. I think for one time I tried it, <laughs> I failed miserably. Um, but you know, it's just kind of, you're kind of like realizing, you know, like, oh, this person is willing to sort of like show me the ropes and give me career advice and sort of like help me along and, you know, you know, just be willing to sort of, you know, let you 
allow you to give you space to do things that maybe you're not quite ready for. Um, and I think that it's so valuable to have those opportunities. Yeah. Um, so I just really want to pass that along to other people because I'm, I'm the same with you, I'm, I'm the oldest of, of four kids. And so yeah, I think the oldest ends up, like, we're just kind of finding our own way and we're used to that. Yeah. Um, I'm sometimes really bossy about it. I know I <laughs> My brothers and sisters would definitely agree. <laughs> like once we got became adults, it still was very difficult. I'm like, oh wait, and they all have kids. I do not. So it's like, oh wait, yeah, let, let me just like let me back up now. Now they're teaching me things, to be honest. Like I'm like, oh yeah, okay, that's that's what's what. So, you know, the Wonder Women Tech Show is passionate about honesty and vulnerability. It's the reason why, you know, I really wanted to create this podcast. Um, you know, to have some storytelling, to, to learn and peel back the curtain behind many of our role models and the women who are really blazing trails for other women. And so I'd love you to share something with us that you've never shared with anyone else before. Oh, my gosh. Um, I've got a good one. So this was right after undergrad. Um, I was I was sort of like, I graduated, I was, I was looking for jobs, and I actually don't share this, um, I got a job at a fine company, and it wasn't really what I wanted, I wanted like true like agency graphic design work, but I was like, you know what, this works, like, I can do some graphic design here until I, you know, am able to get hired as an agency, and I was only there for two months, I was terrible um, you know, I aced all the tests. I'm like, can you, you know, Adobe Illustrator to make sign graphics? Yes, I can. Not a problem. But I was just, I was not cut out to work there. Um, you know, I, I, I was really, and, and I learned a lot along the way, actually. I'm, I'm super glad of that experience. So I learned that, like, I can't prove my own work. I just can't. Like, you know, if, if work has to prove my own work, then it's not going to be done, right? Um, and so I ended up leaving that job after three months because I like I felt like a total failure, and I was like, like it was the worst way to start a career in design. To be honest, I was like, just like if I can't hold down this job, like like if I can't do a good job here, what is the rest of my career going to be? And so you know, it was really scary, and I was doubting myself a lot. But then I realized um, after you know I ended up going on and getting hired in an agency as software. It was actually a, a web development company. Um, I realized that, like, not, like, just because you are maybe a good designer or, you know, you, you have all these qualities or, you, you you know, you have all the right, you checked all the right boxes, it doesn't mean that every single job is right for you. Um, it's important to find your strengths and your weaknesses. I would say it's more important a lot of times to find your weaknesses or know your weaknesses um, and be aware of those because, Number one, it helps you improve. You can work on these things. And number two, like, if you know what your weaknesses are, um, you can, like, if you need to, you can avoid situations where they're going to be um, promoted. But then I also, you know, from that experience, I learned that, like, if I have to prove my own work, you know, I need, or if I'm expected to, I need to go actively find someone else to prove it. So there's just a lot of learning experiences that I think happen early on in your career. That's one that, like I said, I've actually never shared that with anyone, but um, it was a, it was a good experience to have. Like, it's, I don't want to say it's good to be humble, but it's good to be humble a lot of times. 
you know, by, by something that didn't go the way that you expected it to and have your, um, yeah, my ego was super hurt from that, <laughs> but, I, but I learned from it and the, you know, the learnings were things that I still take with me today. I mean, we all have to fall flat on our face. I mean, that is the that is one thing that I've learned in this work and, and hearing so many different people's stories, including those of our speakers on our stages. That's that is a common thread and we will we will, <laughs> you know, in yeah. our journey towards, you know, creating a, a life that we love and a career that we love, we will fall. And I, I love that you shared that with us. Thank you so much for being vulnerable and open with us, Brooke. I appreciate that. Yeah, and like you said, it's, it's how you get back up that matters. Um, if you're if you're afraid to fall, you're not going to do anything. If you're afraid to fail, you're never gonna you're never gonna go anywhere. Um, you have to be willing to fail and understand, you know, how to get back up and and what to do with that failure that that counts. Well, you've clearly done something right because you are now leading teams at Adobe. <laughs> oh, it's, a, it's you know, it's really fun. I, I absolutely love what I do. Well, you've led a fun and colorful life, Brooke, literally and figuratively. <laughs> if you had to do it all over again, would you take the easy road or the road less traveled and why? Um, I would definitely take the road less traveled. Um, a couple of reasons. I kind of, um, the people who, who know me personally will know this, I tend to sort of shoot from the head. Um, I kind of look around me and say, oh, let's go that direction. <laughs> you know, always fully, you know, researching and, and going through all the logistics and everything. But I think there's more adventure there. Um, I think you're, I, I have always, you know, thought to myself, I, I don't want to go through my life wondering what if, and so, so many times in my personal life and in my career, I've, I've taken a chance just because I don't want to have that question in the back of my head, well, what if I would have done this? Um, and so, yeah. I'm definitely a road less travel type person, um, <laughs> you know, it can, it, can, it can be glorious, it can be amazing, it can be full of surprises, it can also be, you know, it can also have some disappointment in it, but I think ultimately knowing um, that I'm not going to have that question, what if I would have taken the more interesting or less traveled route, is what really makes me happy. Oh, I love that, Brooke. It's been such a pleasure being part of your world, and I appreciate you so much. Thank you so much for being here, innovators. We'll see you next week when we take on the world one more time. <laughs>